welcome back to the Freewheeling Podcast. My name is Abby Mickey, and I'm joined by the crew, the whole crew, and nothing but the crew. Sorry. <laughs> Tilda, hello. Good morning. Good morning. Cool. Lauren, on the ground in Australia still? Yes. Yeah. Coming down off a big 10 days. So good morning, everyone. Can't wait to hear about it. Amy Jones? Hello. I've also had a big 10 days, but it's nothing to do with cycling, so I'll leave that out. <laughs> <laughs> and Gracie? Yeah, look, I'm I'm not going to leave that air of mystery, but uh, g'day, g'day. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk all about the road race at the Women's World Championships. Before we dive into that, this episode is brought to you by Zwift. One of the best things about Zwift is the massive social community. There are group rides going on all day and night. So even if you jump into a ride late, they will give you a little bit of a boost so you can kind of catch up with everybody. The global community makes it easy to stay motivated by training side by side with other people who are just as enthusiastic as you are. Thank you so much to Zwift for sponsoring this episode and for keeping us enthusiastic about training, no matter what the weather is outside. All right, we've got like a ton of stuff to talk about with the World Championships, a very long list of talking points. But I think we should kind of start where we left off, which was we didn't know whether or not Annemiek Van Vluten was going to race the road race because she crashed in the team relay that we were watching as we recorded like the last episode on Wednesday. And it turned out that she fractured her elbow. So it was like for a couple of days, we didn't know was she going to race, whether or not, whether she was racing, if she wasn't racing, it would have been a huge impact on the race because she's obviously the best in the world at the moment with everything she's accomplished over the summer and we found out I think it was Friday or perhaps Thursday that she would indeed be racing but then it looked like the Dutch were like okay cool we made it out of the weeds and then Demi Vollering found out the morning of the road race that she had COVID and she wouldn't start which in my opinion was a huge blow to the Dutch team uh she's had not I mean she's had a really good season like I think yeah anyway we'll get into it but Demi was out and the Dutch were down one rider Tilda, do you want to run us through like a brief, a brief race report? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Tilda didn't have to work this weekend. So I did have I, to work, but, but yeah. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Tilda Fair. just hates worlds, apparently. I'll do it. I'll do it. Uh, so we had the, the course I think was like one of the best worlds courses we've ever had before the the dynamic way that the racing that it like helped the racing along was really cool and it was a lot more challenging than I think anyone thought I think a lot of people were kind of picking boss for the win but uh, whether she was on a bad day or not the the climb really did some damage on the peloton the first two favorites that were distance were Grace Brown and Aliza Balsama around 40 kilometers to go um, but with the flat spots in between the climb, they did end up coming back. Uh, Australia started sending riders off the front with Brody Chapman and Sarah Roy and Brown eventually when she got back on. Guanzini had some amazing teamwork when the Italians like kind of led it into the third to last, the third, third lap up the climb or third to last lap up the climb. Um, they were setting it for, it seemed like either Persico or Elisa Longaborghini and Guanzini, I think like she's worth mentioning because she was a favorite for the U23 title and she really just kind of sent it for the elites, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about how the U23 
Jersey played into the overall race. Kashini Wadoma was the first to kind of make a huge attack with 25 25 kilometers to go, and she was joined by Liana Lippert, Elise Longaborghini, Cecily Utrip-Ludwig, Elise Shabby, Ashley Momenpasio, and Neve Fisher-Black. And then Anamik was dropped and kind of worked her way back into that group. But Liana Lippert attacked, and Elisa was the only one to go with her. The chasing group of three behind, which was Nima Doma, Ashley Momenpasio, and Sile, worked their way back with 20k to go, but the Dutch were chasing and they caught just before the final climb. Rusa went with 12 to go, but it was kind of like a, I think if she'd gone a little bit earlier, it would have been a valid attack, but because the climb was coming up really quickly, it then set up the same group of five to attack again. Uh, they were off the front and weren't really working super well together. And behind there was a huge group of chasers. We had Arlene Sierra, Lada Capecchi, Marlon Rusa, and Elise Shabby, both from Switzerland, Neve Fisher-Black, Juliette Labou, Persico, and Annemiek Van Vluten. And that group caught them with like 1K to go. And Annemiek Van Vluten, with just like impeccable timing, sent a flyer and nobody reacted. <laughs> and Annemiek Van Vluten won. It was, I'll go ahead and say it. It was my favorite Annemiek Van Vluten win of all time. <laughs> like we got, I think personally, but this was, maybe one of the best races of the year. Like it was like edge of your seat racing the entire time. And uh, every single time there was a group that went, I was like, cool, that's the winning move. Nope, that's not the winning move. It's coming back together. We had so many riders that were still in with a chance of winning within, I mean, it just changed. Everything was constantly changing. So it was really awesome. And I think for Van Vluten to win, like she obviously wasn't on top form because of her elbow, but she she timed her move perfectly. Cause I think like she said in interviews, she wanted to go on the Mount Kira climb, which was early, early in the race. And that maybe could have led to another Yorkshire situation with a hundred K solo move. Um, but she still won solo. The race still ended the way that everybody kind of thought it would, <laughs> but we got a very, very, very exciting race. So let's talk, let's talk about it. What should we talk about first? I think we should talk about the Dutch team first because they had kind of a roller coaster leading into the race. And then the teamwork was, I'm torn between whether this was a team effort or Anamik was just the best on the day and no one was really working for each other, but they had the strongest rider in the race. I think Ellen summed it up in a tweet or something. She was like, we did everything to give them the win. Um, something like that. But here we are. And then it was a picture of Anamique or something. I can't remember what the words were. But, yeah, I wouldn't say they, they didn't have the strength they usually would um, in terms of, well, Anamique still won, but she wasn't on her best day. Um, it was just... Like you said, the timing was impeccable at the end when she managed to come back because she was sitting on that group, of course, because Voss was trying to come back with, with uh, Van Dyke. Um, so, of course, she wasn't going to work. And then she was even getting dropped. I think she was getting tailed um, with the one and a half kilometres to go up that slight hill. She was gapped there and then somehow managed to motor her way back onto that group, which then made contact with the front group and then just went straight past. So one thing, they definitely didn't have the strength. Shirin wasn't on a good day either. Um, she's had better days. It's been a really long season for her. She's a young rider, so 
she had a fantastic year. And Worlds is just a really interesting race because it's like one of those days where you can do everything right leading up to it and sometimes your legs just don't show up. I don't know. Yeah, you can focus on the Dutch. I'm still trying to process what happened in that race. (laughs) It's... I it's think everybody taken is me still a couple trying of days. to process <laughs> what happened in that race. But um, they didn't have a good race together, no. So walking away with the win was just, I think they were just shocked in the end. Yeah. Like, completely was totally shocked. I mean, like, Voss and Ellen had to keep telling her that she won, um, which was pretty cool because I think, like, for Anamique, she, she would have she was the favorite coming in and she knows that. And then to take the win after the week she had before, I think was just like, yeah, she couldn't believe it. And, uh, she said afterwards that she was working for Voss, but I don't know how that was a thing because Voss was in the group right behind, which was only like a couple seconds behind, the winning group. And if you were working, I think at that point, like Anamik would have been, well, my legs aren't as bad as I expected at this point, I can try for the win. And she said she had to go from the very back of that group because she needed the windup to be able to be going by them faster. And like she timed it perfectly in that at that point, the, the five people that got caught were probably super demoralized. They'd been off the front, you know, twice and had been like, okay, it's between us. No, it's not. It's between us. No, it's not. And so at that point, like those five riders wouldn't have reacted because they've been working, they're tired, and they're sad at that point. And then the rest of that group that just caught up, I mean, Elise Shabby had just, she was kind of the one that made the final effort to get onto that group. So she's kind of badly positioned slash like she's in the middle of that group and also just put in an effort everyone else is getting ready for a sprint. Like Laura Capecchi is gearing up for a sprint, shaking her legs out, getting ready to sprint. Same with Arlena Sierra. So most of those riders, like I don't think it was, they didn't react because they, they didn't think to react. I think it was more like the timing was so that no one was ready. And Anami came from so far back in the group that, she was already going faster than like everyone could. Yeah. Even if someone had reacted, I don't know how fast they would have brought her back. I think that's, it's that moment as well that, like you said, they're gearing up for a sprint. So you're switching on your sprint ahead. Like you think, all right, this is it now positioning for the sprint, getting ready. And then someone takes a flight. I mean, you've always got to anticipate that. Right. And we've seen, in all the previous races, how it's sort of played out that you just have to be, attentive till the last centimeter of that that final few kilometers but um yeah it's it's one of those things and I guess everyone's been in that situation where someone goes of course it's anamique and are you the one to first react and then blow your legs at the risk that it's going to all come back together so that's always that moment of hesitation and I think in the men's race um the guys at the front had that moment of hesitation and then that group sort of came back together and that's how Michael Matthews ended up with with that bronze medal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's the, just, it is that hesitation. Do I want to be the first to go? Um, and ruin my chance. Yeah. yeah, but then it's like it's the world championship jersey. 
So do you just risk everything because it doesn't matter if you come silver or bronze? I don't know. I've never been in that position. And at that point, the only people who had teammates were it was like there was two Swiss with Shabi and Rusa and there was two Italians with Persico. Two Italians. And that's like, the Elisa had just been off the front so she like probably didn't have the legs to be able to react immediately. Persico obviously finished third. So top finisher for picks, I think, from the podcast. And they just raced well <laughs> with, with 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 the neutral 170 kilometers. So I feel like at that point, and it was a really hard race. And you said it perfectly. I, I think everyone underestimated how much that hill would really impact everyone's legs towards the end um so yeah that, that's I think all we can say about that moment mm. I think go Grace if you want I was just gonna say what I was finding really fascinating and and like any other year or the Olympics is they don't have race radio so the tactics are a little bit different because they're having to think on their feet and they're having to think as individuals as well as a team and they're not getting told what to do in those moments. So in for an example is Anamique. I do think that she was working for Voss, but she had to make her own decision in the moment of like, I'm pretty sure that there's going to be other riders such as the Aussies that are going to drag Voss back. So it's better if I stay in this group and just wait and save my energy so I can either help her or if they don't come back, then I can take my chance. I think if you had a team director in your ear telling you exactly what the situation was on the road, that it might have been a different outcome. They might have told Anamik to go back to, to bring Voss back to the, the front group or to do something different. So I just I love that element of worlds is that riders are having to think in the moment and it is such a tough race they're not thinking that straight by the end and that's where those that real um skilled rider in all different ways comes to the fore because you have to be fit obviously but you have to still be able to think at the end of four hours of racing and and to make those decisions so yeah I just it was interesting to see some of the team tactics and, and individual tactics playing out there and and a lot of riders didn't know exactly what was going on a lot of the time. They were just having to race on pure instinct. Um, yeah, what I, I think what I was going to say was we spent a lot of the week wondering how uh, the absence of Anamique, should she not start the race, would affect the race. Um, but I think what most keenly affected the race, and especially the way the Dutch raced it, was Demi not being there. Because I think when that five rider group web there was a big like demi following shaped hole in that group like she is exactly the type of rider who would have been there and i think with a few days to reflect on it like that would have made the race totally different because suddenly if demi's in the group then the dutch don't chase it down the italians don't chase it down no one's going to chase it down and suddenly that six rider group might actually be able to stay away but the fact that the dutch didn't really have a rider to go in that kind of move when Voss clearly wasn't having the best day ever. Um, Mackay was distance early on. Anamik wasn't going to go in a move like that. Like They were always going to chase things down as long as they had Ellen to do it. So I think, yeah, it was, it was Demi not being there that possibly changed the race more than um, we might have imagined at the start. Do you think the group would have been more cohesive 
because there wasn't that much cohesion in the group. That that's also plays into it. So, of course, yeah, Grace Brown was obviously not on a good day that day. Um, so that sort of ruled her out. Um, would she have been in that group of five? I don't know. Perhaps on her best day. We won't know. You can't guess those things. Um, but I do wonder, even if Demi was there, it definitely would have changed it for sure. But there was just that lack of cohesion, it seemed. I wonder if with, with Demi there, it would have been an even harder race. Because like Kasha said that she, after the race, she wished that there had been more action early on. And I wonder mm-hmm. if Demi had been there, there would have been more attacks on the climb earlier in the race. And so well, the that was sort of coming to the finish would have been maybe process. Hmm. Um, I mean, obviously watching the, the race from the iPad and being in the race car, um, it looked, you could say, conservative, a bit controlled for those first laps, you know, the, the whole race leading up to the final three laps, I'd say, um, with Gladys Verhulst being allowed to go up the road. They rode up Kira at a good pace. Um, according to the riders, it was solid but manageable. Um, then that three-rider break went and they were out there for a little while on the laps. Um, and then it seemed like Italy were putting all their eggs in the Balsamo or Persico basket because they were lining up and controlling it a lot. And then the thought was, are they just going to set up Elisa for an attack? But that obviously didn't come. And there's a, at that point, then you have to ask yourself, what do you do now? Like, do you just continue to race conservatively and wait to see what happens on the climbs? And if you're a team that obviously doesn't have someone on a good day that's going to be able to go on that climb, if that's the defining point in the race, do you start racing aggressively and try and get people up the road or look for those moments of hesitation in different parts of the course? Um, And that no one really wanted to play, to be honest. So, yeah, the Australians put in um, a few attacks there. We... Um, the option to to go in that period, that phase of the race. But like Gracie said, we can't really communicate with them. So it comes down to instinct um, of the riders to to figure out what to do in that situation. But it was very clear no one wanted to go in anything. It was just a bunch of solo. So you had Sarah Roy who tried to go, Italy chased that down. Then, of course, there was the big attack on the climb then when Rusa went no one went with her um yeah again still trying to process it all and how it all unfolded in the end I do wonder though if Annemiek had dropped back um or she waited on the climb because I believe she was around Voss I was trying to focus on a million things at that point but she was around her and then one of the questions we were asking ourselves were oh if she had waited for Voss and then you'd had Ellen Voss, Brody, and maybe a Spratty there, could they have maybe tailed on to the Persico Capecchi group? And do you think some of it as well comes down to the finish being super flat and the fact that too, like so many riders were happy for things to kind of stay together for a sprint? But the other side of that is that the group like Nubia Doma and Ashley and Cecily, too many of them were like, oh, I don't really back my sprint here. So it's like the riders who can attack on the climbs don't necessarily want to work super hard in a group to keep it away because 
when there's five of you, if you can't sprint very well, like suddenly you don't have a medal and it's like, mm. if the finish had been a little bit harder, they might have worked. I, my, out of that group of five, I thought if they worked really well, maybe it would have stayed away. I don't know. But out of that group, I would have picked probably Elisa and Cecile. Yeah, which was interesting because, like, Celia was the one who wasn't really working as much as everyone else. She was the one who was skipping poles the most. But I would have picked her to win for sure, the way that she won that tour stage. And, and like, Elisa was doing a lot more work. So I think I it was interesting to look at that group of five and try to pick who would be the winner out of that group. It was a fun game. Um, yeah. I was disappointed that we didn't get to see that play out. Like yeah. I, I loved how it, the finish really was, but I also wanted to know how that group of five was going to finish. In an alternative mm. universe, like who out of that group yeah. of five? Because, yeah, like Kasha, lover, can't really sprint that well. Her t- It's her timing that usually is the problem, I think. Um, so maybe not. Leanna Lippert like made the race. I mean, her attacks on the climb were incredible. And I think that she's just like, I'm so excited to watch her future develop and how moving from DSM to Movistar changes her as a rider. Cause I think it absolutely will. Like DSM has so much control of their riders. They're so hands-on and Movistar will be a completely different experience for her. So yeah, I can't wait to see like the next two years for her because she was so exciting to watch in this race. And, but she also like, I think in a sprint, she probably wouldn't factor against Sile and, and Elisa, given the way that Elisa's kind of become a lead out sprint for Balsamo this year. But like, but then, yeah, you like look at the group and it's like, okay, Elisa spent way more time working. Like she would have been working for Italy. She was then like following more moves and stuff like that. And Sile was the one who was the freshest out of everyone for Denmark. She doesn't have to do any work early in the race. Like she spent a lot of time just sitting in the Peloton waiting, waiting for the right time. So I think given that group of five, I probably would have backed Sile for the win. They'd have to be kicking themselves, right? Probably. (laughs) Becky was, she was saying. Yeah. Yeah. the, The odds of like, three out of like three medals for five people versus three medals for 15 people. Yeah. Like you kind of like it's, you still have to work, just work, (laughs) just (laughs) see how, just wait for the last K and then figure it out. Like obviously don't do that, but like do do that. (laughs) Think about it, but work, come on. Do you yeah. think the first lap when they got away, um, because was it the first that lap that Leanna Lippard managed to gap the other three with who was on her wheel? That was the first attack with Eliza. It was Leanna and Lippert that were, or sorry, it was Eliza and, and Leanna that were off the front, and then Kasha and Ashley Momenpasio and Sile that were chasing. And the I wonder if I the was, other three were like we're going to get to the next climb and maybe we're not going to be able to go with Lippitt's next attack. Mm. Could that be something that plays into your mind? I don't know. I don't know. That was interesting because like Ashley was working less than the other two. Sile was, or Kasha was really doing like the brunt of the chasing in that group. Um, But they still brought them back like pretty quickly. It was never really... I mean, in my mind, it was never really a question, are these two going to be fighting for the win? Because those three were never more than like eight seconds behind. Yeah. 
Gracie, what were you going to say? Uh, I just wanted to hear from Lauren regarding the tactics behind the attacks from the Australians with three laps to go when they were counterattacking each other. Like what was the intention there to get a bit of a jump on the next batch of climbs? Um, so we had this strategy going into the race and in the middle part of the race we'd said if it hadn't been aggressive, then our best chance at a result um, would definitely be not in a large group. Um, so it was never going to be a large group going into that finish, um, but it ended up being 15, actually. Sorry, my thoughts are so scattered. Uh, basically, with the board, we had just said that that was a part of the race where if they wanted to be active, they could start being active at that point. And then it was just, um, you know, it wasn't said to the riders to go on that part of the course or anything, um, but they made the decision to do that. Why, yeah, that was just their, their own decision in the moment that, um they felt that was the part of the course to go. Was it the right decision at the time? I think we discussed this in the debrief that um, Roy going solo definitely hurt the team in the next lap because I think she could have still been there and contributed to helping our riders getting better position for when um, Lippert did that epic attack because Brody was actually having a good day. Um, but she was out position for that point in the race, and that was crucial. If you didn't come into that left-hander up the sharp, steep climb, it was just, yeah, it took a huge toll on your legs, and it didn't matter who you were to make that effort, that extra effort to move up. It just, yeah, so at that point in the race, that was just sort of the plan, and um, was it the right decision now? Um, based on the fact that Grace wasn't good on that day. It should have just been all in for Alex at that point, which it was, of course, but um, she needed way more support to be able to come back to that front group. And at the end of the day, when she was in the Voss group, there wasn't enough firepower in that group to get across that gap. So, yeah. Mm. That was what I was watching as a spectator, but I just didn't know, obviously, all the ins and outs and... Yeah, you could tell oh, that Grace wasn't on a good day, early, like early enough to know that yeah. it was. You had to pivot, and I would have liked to have seen better support for Alex. And you're right, Brody was on a great day. She was really good. So, yeah, it was just a bit disappointing. But I think Alex should still be really proud of how she rode. But it would have been nice to see her a bit more supported and had a couple more people around her, especially for that final descent and running to the finish because she's so fast <laughs> yeah yeah of course and I think that's that's something that um we've discussed obviously in the debrief you've been part of those before you sort of lay it all out there um because yeah we'll never know now she wasn't climbing with that second group but she was in the same position of, as Voss and it's the same thing if Voss had had more support would she have also come back then um, mm. and maybe the race would have played out differently. So, yeah, it's it's one of those hard things and you learn a lot 
um, as a writer and on the other side as well. Uh, and communication is really difficult because, of course, um, things can be interpreted differently. Um, so you can only communicate with a board and that's one thing that I think we would do differently is not use words. The under-23s didn't use words in their communication and um, unless you've got really clear um, understanding of what's trying to be communicated, then um, you can make mistakes. So I think there was on our part a bit of a failure of communication at that point. What so, did you use? Yeah. Drawings. Yes. Just colours and and words and obviously the time gaps. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely think that that was probably the biggest mistake. I want to talk a little bit about the rest of the podium as well because we had Lada Kapeki in second, um, which was a disappointing result for her. I think she said that if you're so close to winning worlds, uh, then it's it's not fun to be second. But given that she's not really had any results since she won Flanders, I think that she can be really proud of this second place. Um, and the way that she rode, well, just being there in the end, I think she rode a really smart race. Like I didn't see her at all uh, once the entire race until she was there second, winning from that that group and also Sylvia Persco who like props to Tilda for that pick, but she continues to just be incredibly impressive. And I am so curious what her future is going to look like. Like if she will switch teams, if she's going to, uh, you know, continue developing at travel and service and then kind of Valkar travel and service and then move to a bigger team at a later point. Like she's, she's just such an exciting rider Persico. Like she's a great climber, but can obviously sprint as well. Has a great kick. Yeah. Um, I believe honorary free, freewheeling member, Matt Deneef also picked Sylvia Persico. Shout out to him. But yeah, yeah, it's interesting how well she did. And you have to kind of think how well she would have done. Like if, like imagine if Italy had gone all in on trying to put that together for Persico I mean obviously you wouldn't because it's like you said last week Gabby like there are hierarchies to these things and Elisa Longo-Volghini gets a little bit more uh priority in that sort of thing but yeah um she did really well and it is funny to look at how that sprint played out and I think that probably would have been a fairly similar uh like if Annemiek hadn't done what she did, I think you probably would have seen Lotta win and Persico second, I would say. I don't know if everyone else agrees, but the fact that they didn't chase it down, I think they basically sprinted the way they would have sprinted uh, anyway, which would have been a very interesting result. And yeah, I think Kopecky would have been a very well-deserved champion, but it's just when someone puts you into a corner like Annemiek did, like they had no, they could either chase her down and jeopardize their own sprints or settle for the second and third. But Kopecky was coming up really fast. And I think in her mind, she was kind of chasing down Annemiek in the final few hundred meters, but obviously just didn't get there. She was pissed. Like, I don't, 
women don't often bang their bars in anger in a sprint. Um, that I think we see that a bunch in the men's racing, but not super often in the women's racing, but yeah, Kapeki was upset, which is totally understandable. I mean, for her to be there in the end, I wouldn't have predicted that she would have been on the podium given the, the way that she's ridden since Flanders, basically. Um, I mean, we haven't seen her race in like since the tour, I think she's been basically silent. Um, so I was impressed to see her up there and getting second. And yeah, I think she would have been, she would have been a cool, it would have been a really cool story had she won, but also like there's something really fitting in that the, the best female professional cyclist in the world is wearing the rainbow Jersey in her final year. Although I would put money on her not actually retiring. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I will be shocked if she actually retires when she says she's going to retire. But yeah, like she's obviously had the best year ever, like uh, unquestionably the best year ever with all three tour wins, like the tour, the Giro and the Vuelta. And for her to also be the world champion, I think is super fitting, but Kopecky would have been cool. She is one of our favorite riders. Obviously we talk about her a lot. Like she's really, really exciting to watch. And, um, yeah, SD works. Hasn't actually had the world champion since Anna Vandenbregen would have been. Do we think if anyone else had taken a flyer like that, it might, there might've been a different response. I don't know. Part of me thinks there's just some like effect that Anamique has where like she goes and everybody's just like, all right, that's it then. She's got a superpower to like freeze everybody. She can freeze the yeah. peloton. They're just like, oh, there she is. All right. Cheers, guys. Yeah. Thanks for coming. I mean, looking at that group and thinking of like who else would have taken a flyer from that group, uh, pretty much everybody is like, it would be within their, uh, like, it wouldn't be shocking to see anyone in that group take a flyer. Like, but I think, yeah, like, Sile would have been. R- would have thought that she would win out of that group of five. I think of the five people that were caught, she would be the most disappointed mm-hmm. of everybody. Um, and like mentally snapping back from that as quickly as she would have needed to with one K to go in the finish, I think is a, that is a task um, that not many human beings would be able to do. But like, uh, I guess at least shabby, I could have seen maybe take a flyer, but she, she was the one who kind of welded those groups together. Like her flyer was, was bringing it all back together. And I'm, I'm curious like why she did that because she obviously wasted her energy to get up to that group, but then she's done. Like the race she's is just trapped in domestic mode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The race about that. <laughs> yeah. At that point, there's this weird thing with worlds, right? Where like, obviously you're racing for your nation, but the Jersey is within your trade team all year long. So you're not supposed to work for your trade team teammates, but I was like, Elise, Kasha, come on. What are you doing? <laughs> um, cause like, if you're not going to land on the podium, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It is a weird thing. And I don't know if it actually happens within the race where riders like kind of in the back of their mind, ride a little bit with their trade team teammates in mind. It's hard to like 
I imagine it would be hard to completely shift your mentality to working with and being friends with your trade teammates all year long. And then one race a year, you race with your national team or maybe two races a year. If you're like in the Europeans and the Commonwealth games, you know, do you know who I'm dead impressed with to change that? And who just keeps getting better? Olenis Thera. Yeah, I agree. It was cool to see her. Like, yeah, I think she would have been like, she said she's not a sprinter, but I think she would have been a really good shout to podium had she been like in a better position when those two groups merged together. She just kind of didn't get to the right spot early enough. I think anyone that was in that second group should have known that Animique was just being a little shark on the back because they they had enough, they had a few K to chop off to chase the front, to know, to, to, you know, turn back to see if anyone's having a free ride. They would have seen it was Animique. And you would have to assume that she's going to attack if you make it back to the front. And so it's, Everyone in that second group's loss for not anticipating that attack, particularly Lauda. I think she's the biggest loser in that scenario. Mm-hmm. She is partially responsible for that group coming back. And this is where having mm. this not a separate category yep, yep. affects the racing. Nee Fisher Black, because she was wanting her group to stay ahead of the group behind because Pfeiffer Georgie was in it. So she was pulling. So she kind of gave Anamika free ride there. No, I really want to talk about this because we kind of talked in the in the buildup, like what the U23 race being within the elite race would mean for the race. And like Neve was doing a ton of work in that group to pull it back. Would it have come back without her doing that work? Probably. They had Marlon Russa up there. Like she's she was working for Shabby at that point. Like she was putting in a ton of work on the front. And, but like Neve is such a strong rider and she was, yeah, in my mind, she was instrumental in bringing those groups back together. And there you have it. The U23 race within the elite race changed the elite. Coming back to trade teams. Yeah, true. How many SD works were in that group? Yeah, a lot. (laughs) There was a lot. I do. I, I, I understand that, but I disagree actually. Like. Not 100% disagree because for sure she wanted to win that category, but I think she was racing for her own country too for an elite titles and she was in exactly the same position as everyone else, but she was also in the under-23 category. So I think she was still just racing the race. Yeah, just the U23 (laughs) jersey was like a bonus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if the front five didn't come back, that's the world title regardless. you got to get there and then make your next move, I suppose. Um, yeah. But you have to be in it to win it. So even she, if it had come back. She's been racing so well all year. Like she's not dumb. Like she knows how to race a bike. And I think she was going all in on the overall title. So I don't know. I don't think that it affected the race. Mm, I don't know if she would have fancied her chances against like everybody else that was up there at that point. And I don't know, I think that, like, she would have known that Pfeiffer Georgia was behind and there's no way she would have beaten her in a sprint for the under-23 title. And, like, based on how stoked she's been with winning that title, I think that was mostly what she was racing for, Hmm. I would say. 
I mean, I do think that I I'm I might be biased, but I feel like having Neve win the U23 title is the first ever road title. I feel like it's super fitting given that she's won so many young rider jerseys this year and last year. And she's really been like a huge part of the SC works team. And it's, it's super, it's super unfortunate. We won't actually get to see her race in that U 23 Jersey at all. Um, like I wonder if SC works will put some rainbow bands on her, on her arm or something. Cause, (laughs) cause I do think like regardless of the combination situation and whether or not it changed the racing and how we all do want an, 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 our, the U23 to have a separate race like for the development of the sport and everything, I I've, think she deserves this title. I would say the same for Pfeiffer Georgie, though. She's been just instrumental in Lorena Weebus winning year, like race after race all year long. And she's been developing really, really well as a rider. Like she's another one I'm excited to see in the future. And I think like the Brits really didn't have much of, uh, they had Anna Henderson follow Brody in that one attack, but like other than that, and they had, um, in the early break, uh, but they didn't really have much, you know, And she said she couldn't work. So it was payback for the Commonwealth games. Mm. No. Um, uh, Henderson. Henderson. Payback for the Commonwealth Games. Funny. <laughs> and Pfeiffer also had uh, Anna Shackley in the group, like basically riding for her. Like it, there was a lot of uh, moments of them having a little chat. And I, I think actually we saw more racing for the under 23 title than I thought we might. So I thought maybe after the first one or two riders, it might just be like rolling over the line. But I feel like they were really racing for it. And especially because it came down to four of them in that second group and like Pfeiffer and um, Bowen fine to got third were clearly sprinting against each other and Shackley had been working for Pfeiffer and yeah, it, it, it was, you know, a, a separate race will be better, but it wasn't totally like pointless, you know, which I think some people hypothesize it might be that it wouldn't even be raced for, but it really was. And it was, it was, I'm glad that they put the black numbers on the under 23 riders so you could actually see them. And it was an extra element to kind of keep an eye on. Well, the Brits can be stoked on Zoe Backsed, who won the the junior race with a 57 kilometer long solo attack after winning the time trial as well. I mean, she's she's super exciting as a rider for the future, I think. We've had although we've had like a lot of junior women win both titles and then well, I mean, I guess Chloe Digart comes to mind and she won the elite time trial title a couple years later. So, yeah, really, really impressive ride by Zoe. Triple world champion currently. She needs to get on the mountain bikes now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was saying that. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. That's we I think like we can talk a little bit also about uh, before we wrap it up. Actually, before we wrap it up. Uh, This episode is also brought to you by Peaks Challenge. Um, If you've heard of the Peaks Challenge, you know that it's a huge day in the saddle, but have you ever wondered if you could tackle the infamous loop featuring three key climbs up 
Tawonga Gap, Mount Hotham, and the back of Falls Creek. Bicycle Network is working hard to address the gender imbalance in cycling, and they want as many women as possible to experience the feeling of crossing the Peaks Challenge finish line on Sunday, the 12th of March, 2023. There's a ton of time for you to kind of organize yourself before then months in fact to help you get there we'll be running tailored events and training rides that are designed to support women who want to give peaks challenge a crack not to mention you'll be riding some of victoria's best alpine climbs on closed roads and with full on route support by bicycle network visit peakschallenge.com.au to learn more early bird tickets are now open so sign up using the promo code cycling tips for an extra five percent off your entry that's Cycling tips. Easy to remember <laughs> if you frequent the website. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much to Peaks Challenge for supporting this episode. I would love to come ride my bike in Australia. That's a particularly good ride. It's very difficult, but it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, yeah, speaking of Australia, I was really, really impressed with the course. I feel like Australia, the the effort that Australian cycling put behind this race was awesome. And the, there was like a lot of controversy. I I felt leading up to it just because it was so far away, um, and really, really expensive to get to. But I think that they, they put together a race worth coming for, in my opinion, the circuits were awesome. I mean, we, we talk a lot about how we love circuit racing, but I feel like it really just made for a, a super exciting world championships. And, and big ups to everyone that came out. The, the crowd was awesome. It looked being part of it on the TT day on the weekend, the, the opening weekend was really cool, but I got to watch the road races on TV and the crowd looked really wild and fun and like a world championship crowd should look. So good job, Aussies. And I want to give a personal shout out to Daniel for helping with the info board on the Sunday. He's a freewheeling listener and he heard my voice and recognized it from a podcast. Very cool. Famous because of the podcast. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it was an awesome race. I feel like it's, we have one more world tour race this year, the tour of Romandy. So that'll be kind of the, the end of the season for the women, but this would have been like a really, really nice ending. Like, I mean, the way that the racing played out, the the riders that we had involved, like, uh, yeah, it was a great race. I still don't really know what happened. <laughs> like, I know what happened, but I'm still just like, how did that happen? What? <laughs> I mean, I stood up when when she went. I stood up and I was like yelling at the TV. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't well we had like anymore. we had a minute and a half delay um on the, the ipad and then it just came over the race radio <laughs> and anime <laughs> van vluden wins and we looked at each other and we're like what, what? <laughs> and when what? we stopped we had to go back and watch it and i was like only she can do that like to switch straight well she'd been think she would have obviously been thinking about it like if voss doesn't come back how my, like Gracie said, she's just a champion through and through. Um, with with a fractured elbow and everything, she knew her best chance at winning that race, should it come back, was to go at that point and really yeah, wind it up and use the speed because she couldn't get out of her saddle, really. I think she could get out of the saddle, right? 
No. No. Well, she said Barely. she couldn't, but she, yeah, she was on the climb a little bit, but it would have been painful. I think I've just got one word for that race. It's iconic. That was an iconic race. It's going to be remembered for a while, I think. That was a race that like you can rewatch and like discover new and exciting things about it every time, I feel like. Because, <laughs> yeah, every single time. I've rewatched it twice now and just to kind of like prep um, and wrap my mind around what exactly happened. And each time I was like, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. <laughs> um, and I feel like I don't know what the course is at Tour de Romandie. Uh, I'll write a preview, obviously, when we get like a little closer. I hope it's not this weekend. I don't think it is. Um, thank you, Tilda. Uh, and But I feel like looking at the, the way that this race went down and the results, I feel like Leanna Lippert might take her first World Tour stage race victory at Romandy. It's only a couple days. I think it's three days. So it's not a super long one, but she's riding so well right now. And I don't imagine Anamik is going to be at the race. Um, I would hope that she kind of focuses on her recovery at this point uh, with the elbow. But yeah, Leona Lipper is just like, she was one of the riders of the day for me. Somebody said on, I got called out on Instagram that we didn't, talk about her in the pre-race and that I didn't mention her in my preview, which I did. I said she was an outside favorite. Um, but like somebody on Instagram was like, you guys are sleeping on a, on Liana. And I'm like, yeah, well it's never going to happen again. Cause <laughs> she's like, yeah, I was super impressed with her in this race. So tour to Romandy, I'm calling it anyway. I think we, we covered a lot of things. This is a good, might have been one of my favorite episodes we've ever recorded. <laughs> thanks thanks to you guys for making the time to chat with me. And we'll be back next week to probably preview Romandy. Bye.